what's up guys? Welcome back to the harbor. I feel like there's the excitement I'm looking oh thanks guys. Um, it feels like it's been such a long time since we have actually been back together since we had like a month break from Christmas and then we were only together one week before our three, three week snow vacation that we had. Um, but I'm just glad you're back. Um, so if you missed our first week with us, we are in a series called House Rules and Caleb kicked us off talking about uh, the first of these three rules. These are the three things that we want this place to be about, the harbor, our student ministry. We want to be a place of rest, a place of refocus, and a place of risk. And so we're going to talk about um, the idea of refocus tonight. Uh, Last week when Caleb talked about rest, he said, talked about wanting this to be a place that we should be able to just be real, authentic, to be able to drop our guard and to find true rest. So anyone in here, you would consider that you have like a pretty terrible memory. Like you kind of fall into that category of like just you are awful with remembering things because I 100% know that I am. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I have actually like left my house, been driving down the road, even gotten to my destination, turned around and had to go back to my house because I could not remember if I turned off my straightener. And I really didn't want to burn my house down. The other week I was, it was like midnight, I was falling asleep and I could not remember if I turned my stove off. So I got up out of bed, went downstairs to check to see if I turned my stove off. Um, All of this stuff that you're learning right now in high school, especially like high school math, like the Pythagorean theorem and how to calculate for like sine and cosine and all of those things. I do not remember anything about how to do that. And I aced math. I have no memory of how to actually use those formulas now. Uh, Probably the worst thing that I attribute to my terrible memory is the fact that about two months ago, I was going on a trip to Florida. I forgot to double check my final destination and I booked my rental car for the wrong city. Couldn't cancel it, so lost, you know, four or $500 right there. Like, I, I struggle with remembering things if I do not write them down. Um, especially if... I'm overwhelmed or if I'm stressed, then it's just out the window. If it's not written down, it's not getting done. And so um, just thinking about that, it's important that before we even jump into the topic of refocusing that, we understand that you have to be at a place of rest before we can even talk about refocusing. And so we're better able to refocus when we have real, true, authentic rest that we find in the person of Jesus. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking, like, this topic doesn't apply to you. Like, refocusing, that's not an issue for you. You are pretty focused on your priorities, on your goals, um, what you're moving towards. Like, you're straight. You're good. You got it. Um, But what's your main focus? Because there is a lot of different stuff in life that's fighting for your attention, that's screaming at you, that's calling for you, you to to zone in and to pay attention to it. School, sports, family issues and drama, relationships, anxiety, stress, body image, eating disorders, substance abuse, social media, the latest trends. These are all things that are within your culture that are screaming at you saying, hey, pay attention to me. Focus in on me. All of it begging for you to just give it your full attention promising that if you just focus in, it's going to give you the satisfaction, the joy, and the fulfillment that you are seeking. There's even going to be times when the enemy will whisper to you and say, 
You know that area of your life right there? Jesus can't really give you fulfillment in that. That longing that you feel, he can't fulfill that. And so we go off looking in these other places, looking to find fulfillment, hoping that it's going to satisfy us, that it's going to bring us that, that joy, that, that feeling of fulfillment that we're so desperately searching for. You know, we say, if only I can be the top student in my class. If only I can have that boyfriend, that girlfriend. If only I could be the top athlete on my team. If only I can get into that top tier college that I've been wanting to. If only I had more friends, followers, likes, comments, shares. All of these things we search for thinking it's going to bring us some type of satisfaction. But after a while of searching and striving and maybe even finding some temporary satisfaction, eventually we begin to feel empty again and we look for the next thing that brings fulfillment. We've lost focus. We are prone to go off looking for what we think is going to satisfy us, but we're always left wanting more. Now, maybe you are the type of person that you are like, you're, you're not intentionally leaving Jesus behind. You don't want to leave Jesus out of the equation because you're a Christian, right? You would never leave Jesus behind. But the actions and the way that you live your life say, maybe a little bit different. You say, Jesus, you're not quite enough, so why don't you tag along while I search for some of the, the fulfillment that I'm looking for in a couple of different areas. You're still part of it, but you're not the full picture. So why is it important that we even talk about this topic of refocusing? Why does it even matter that we have moments of refocus in our life? It's because all of us have broken and sinful hearts, and we are all prone to wander. So before I uh, jump in tonight, I'm going to pray for us real quick. Father, I pray that for these next few minutes, as we look into your word, God, that you would speak to us, that you would show us the truth of scripture. God, may the words that come out of my mouth, may they not be from me. Lord, just use me as your vessel to speak through me. Um, and God, anything that is not from you, let it not come out of my mouth. God, I pray that you would help us to eliminate distractions for these next few minutes um, and just tune into what it is that you have for us tonight. It's from my prayer. Amen. So when you look up the definition of refocus, there are two things that are going to come up in the dictionary. The first one means to focus again. And I typically think of that as like a camera, you know, how like if you have a nice fancy camera, um, you're focused in on something and you have to like adjust the lens, like you're looking at it, it's just a little bit blurry. So you have to adjust so you can see it a little bit more clearly. The second thing is to change the emphasis or direction of. And that's meaning that you are headed in a complete opposite direction and so you have to refocus and make a U-turn and head in the proper direction where you're supposed to go. You have to course correct. And so tonight, we're actually going to look at probably one of my top favorite stories in the Bible. Um, I think it's one of my favorites because I find myself in the shoes of this guy um, whose story we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at the story of a man named Peter. And so if you were here this morning and sat in me in service, Pastor Heath actually talked a little bit about Peter. Um, Peter is one of the 12 disciples that Jesus called. And before he was called as a disciple, Peter was a fisherman. We find this story of Jesus calling him in Mark 1 and in Luke 5. Jesus sees Peter in a boat fishing, um, and he tells him to cast his net into the water. And Peter's like, I have been doing this all night long, and I have not caught a single thing. But because it's you, because you're this famous teacher, sure, I'll do it. I'll throw it in the water. He throws the net in the water, catches so much fish that they can't even, like, haul it in. Like, boats start sinking. And then 
we see right after that where Jesus then invites him to be a disciple by saying, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. And so Peter leaves everything behind and goes after Jesus and follows him. So for the next three years of Jesus's earthly ministry, Peter faithfully follows and he gets to watch Jesus do some absolutely incredible things. He gets to live life with Jesus, learn from him, and even gets to be a part of what God is doing. Um, Jesus even tells Peter that Peter is going to be a major role in the building of the church body one day. Towards the end of Jesus's life, we see uh, where Jesus is arrested. And then Peter, this is probably one of what he's most famous for, um, is he's the guy that denied Jesus three times. Even after Peter said, no, I would never do that. And Jesus was like, no, you're going to do it. Peter denied Jesus publicly three times. Jesus then led off um, to the cross and dies. Jesus is then resurrected. And after Jesus's resurrection, he spends about 40 days here on earth visiting different people. And this is where our story takes place tonight is in this time frame. After Peter having denied Jesus, Jesus spending time on earth for those 40 days. And this is where um, the encounter takes place. And we just get to look at just this beautiful redemptive moment for Peter between the two of them, where Jesus calls him into a refocus moment. So we're going to read John 21, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and the two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called out to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciples, the one who Jesus loved. Now, anytime you hear that phrase, the one who Jesus loved, that's referring to John, just FYI. He said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment um, around him because he had taken off while he was working and he plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got to the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish laying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed in, hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he um, was raised from the dead. First thing that I want to point out in this story is about Peter and what we see is the very first thing that he does. He is in a moment where Jesus has died. The person that he has followed for three years is no longer um, going to be on this earth. And he's at this loss. He doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? He goes back to what he had previously done, what he had previously known, where he was comfortable. He returned to his former life. How often do we do the same thing? We get frustrated because we don't know what God wants from us, what we're supposed to do next. So we go back to where we feel comfortable. We go back to our former things. I firmly believe that, that God is a God of intention, that he does not do anything by coincidence or happenstance. What we see unfolding right here is a story, and Jesus is setting the stage for what he's about to do. 
Remember when I told you the first time that Peter encountered Jesus? He was fishing. Caught nothing all night long. Jesus said, hey, throw your nets into the water. What just happened in this story? The same thing. What were the results? They caught more than they were even able to handle. When they got to the beach, what was burning? There was a charcoal fire. If you know that story of Peter denying Jesus, what was burning that night? A charcoal fire. Has a very distinctive smell. Our senses, smell, sight, touch, taste, they have this ability to recall even the most random of moments. I remember like there was one day I like smelled mustard, the most random thing, and all of a sudden I just had this flashback memory of like making a sandwich for my dad when he was sick. It was the most random thing, but it called me back to that exact moment. Like I could picture everything that was around me, the most random thing. And what I believe is happening is that Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's recalling to Peter's mind those moments from when he first was called as a disciple, but also those moments that he betrayed Jesus. He's causing him to remember. And why is Jesus doing this? Because Jesus is about to redeem and then refocus those moments in Peter's life. Uh, Picking up in verse 15. It says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. The second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved when he had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by the kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. What I love about this encounter is that we catch a glimpse of the compassion and the tender heart of our Savior, of Jesus, and how he deals with us, how he deals with Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And this was not some type of, um, they, they hadn't had a conversation about this yet. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't look at Peter with this harsh rebuke of, how dare you? You followed me for three years. You said you were my disciple, and yet you deny me? When people ask you, are you with this man? Do you know this man? You stand there and say, oh, I don't know him. Don't count me with those people. I'm not with him. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't come at Peter with this harsh rebuke. But what he does is he greets him with this gentle, tender care, love, grace, compassion, mercy. And I just can... Imagine Peter sitting there and just like feeling the depth of like shame and grief from those moments of denial. And we even see that by his third response and just the outburst that he has. What we see then is Jesus tells, um, it, it's, this, it's this redemptive moment for Peter. Um, scholars tend to believe that for every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus asked him once more, do you love me? as a redemptive moment for Peter. 
And so Jesus then tells him the way that he is eventually going to die. He tells him that um, Peter would be crucified for the sake of the gospel. But Peter, if you know the story of him in um, church history, is that Peter actually does not find himself worthy to be crucified the same way that his Savior was, and he asks that he be crucified upside down. So after telling Peter the way that he's going to die, he said to him, follow me. And in that moment, I think that Peter's memory probably flashed back to that first time Jesus spoke those words to him, the first time that he was called as a disciple. Everything has been set up so far by Jesus to recall these moments in Peter's life. Jesus refocused Peter back to his original purpose, back to his original calling. In verse 20, it says, So Peter turned around and saw the disciple that Jesus loved, John, following them, the one who leaned back against Jesus at the Last Supper and asked, Lord, who's the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to the Lord, What about him? Jesus looked at him and said, If I want him to remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. Peter sees John and he is distracted once again, asking, Well, God, what, are you, what about him? Like, you've just told me what's happening in my life, but, but what about that person over there? Like, is, there, is his story any better? Like, can I get that story? And Jesus looks at him and he's like, why are you focused on what I'm doing in his life? That's not what I've called you to do. I've told you to focus on me. Y'all, we, in our walk with Jesus, we are gonna lose focus. It is not a question of if it's gonna happen because we're sinful, broken people. But the question is, what are you going to do when you recognize that you have lost focus? Are you going to choose to just continue in the drift and continue in this pattern of being distracted? Or are you going to tune back into what the Lord's trying to do in your life? The beautiful thing is about this story is that even though we are sinful, even though we're broken, even though our hearts are prone to go off and wander and search in all of these different areas— Jesus doesn't leave us to fight our way back on our own. He meets us right where we are. And in Peter's case, that was right there on the beach, ready to forgive, ready to redeem, ready to restore and to refocus Peter back on what God had called him to do. God is a pursuer. He pursues us over and over and over again, even though we are such an easily distracted group of people. We're so forgetful. I just finished going through the book of Judges in like my own personal time with the Lord And I found myself saying over and over again, how could they? They just got out of Egypt. God just rescued them from 400 years of slavery. How could they? They just got into the promised land, this land that God had promised to give them. How could they? How could they go off and worship other gods? How could they do such unspeakable things? How could they go off and do the things that they had done? How could they forget all that God had done before them? But then I remembered, I do the exact same thing. I watched God carry me through some of the most difficult seasons of my life. And before I know it, my heart and my mind are distracted by all these other things that are calling for my attention, calling for my focus. I forget. I get distracted. I compromise and allow things into my life that I know I shouldn't. I allow the drift between me and Jesus to happen. I allow that to take place. I get caught up in my sin. My heart wanders. Yet God continues to call me back to himself. 
and he does the same thing for you. What stops us from refocusing? I think there are two major things that we see in the story of Peter, and the first thing is distraction. Peter, he didn't know what to do. He got distracted by his past, what he had previously done, and he went back to that. And I think that's the case for us when we lose focus and hinders us from tuning back into what the Lord is trying to do. All the distractions that in your life, they are screaming at you. They are so loud. And I think the second thing that stops us is shame. Shame, I want you to understand, is never from the Lord. Right before the fall of man, right before sin entered the world, you know the last thing that God's word says about Adam and Eve? It says that they knew no shame. Meaning that shame, that's a result of sin. That is not from the Lord. And shame has a tendency to keep us captive. That's what shame does because it's from the enemy. It's meant to keep you in bondage. It's meant to keep you in slavery. It's meant to keep you from doing anything useful for God's kingdom. Because if you feel shame, you wanna hide in the dark. Now there is a difference between shame and conviction. Conviction is 100% from the Lord because that's the Holy Spirit working inside of you saying, hey, this is an area of your life that we need to work on, that we need improvement in but conviction is always meant to pull you closer to the Lord. It is always meant to pull you back to him. So understand there is a difference between shame and conviction. If you're feeling shame for past mistakes, things that you have done, understand that is the enemy speaking to you. That is not the Lord. The next thing that we have to understand is who should we even be refocusing on? We refocus on the person of Jesus. When Jesus met Peter on that beach. He didn't have a list of rules of saying, okay, this is your to-do list. Like, this is what you do once I'm gone. Here it is. No, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, follow me. We follow the person of Jesus. So how do we refocus? If you've noticed that you have drifted and that your walk with the Lord, that Jesus is not your main focus, because we have a lot of stuff we have to focus on in life. I get it. You have school, you have sports, you have drama, you have all of these different things that you're involved in. I get it. Our focus is divided. But what's your main focus? If we are not focusing on the Lord, we've missed it. So how do we refocus? One, we remember. Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, Only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen and so that you don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. We're called to remember the things that God has done. We're called to remember the goodness of him when he sent his son for us, the things that he has done for us um, in our past. We're called to remember what God is currently doing in our life. You know, you might not always be able to see clearly what he's doing. There's not this bright, flashing neon sign. But God is working and moving. And if you look for him, I bet you'll find him. And then we're called to also remember the things that he has promised to do for us. The things that he has promised will come. That the pain, the suffering, all these things on earth, they're going to end one day. That if you are a believer, that you follow after Jesus with your whole heart, Guys, we have eternity in heaven waiting for us. Remembrance fights forgetfulness, and it propels us forward in our mission as followers of Jesus. 
But we also have to remember to tune into God's word, that we have to slow down and be intentional and distraction-free in our time with God. Because you know what? It's harder to forget something when it's right in front of you every day. Repetition is proven to increase your memory. If you're spending every day in God's word, guess what? It's easier to remember what he's done for you. But if the last time that you picked up God's word was, I don't know, how long ago? It doesn't really surprise us that we so easily forget. And if you were like, man, that's me. I have not spent any time with God. I haven't taken like any intention of, of walking this relationship out with him and you don't know where to start. Guys, over here in the center lobby, we have a table full of devotions and Bibles that are all free for y'all. So if you are looking for a place to start, go grab one. They're a resource for y'all that we would love for you to use anytime you were looking for a place to start. The last thing that I wanna point out is what comes with our refocus. When we actually choose to remember to refocus in on Jesus, who we, these are the things that come with it. Satisfaction, peace, and clarity. There's a contentment, there's a joy in our life because we understand who God is and who he has made us to be, what he has called us to do. I remember in the beginning, uh, we defined what the word refocus meant. We said it was to focus again and to change the emphasis or direction of. I think some of you fall into that first category, that you fall into this category of needing to focus again, that your walk with the Lord, like, it's just gone a little bit out of focus. It's a little bit blurry. You need to tune back into what the Lord is trying to do in your life. You know Jesus, but you recognize that you've let your focus drift. But I think some of you in here, you fall into that second category, that you need to completely change direction. You realize that Jesus has never even been a focus in your life. And maybe that's because you have been so distracted by the things of this world, or maybe it's because you feel so much shame thinking, I have to get myself together before I come to the Lord. But you recognize that you don't know Jesus as Savior. Romans 5.20, it tells us that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more meaning that there is nothing that we could ever do that could ever possibly push us away from the Lord. You don't have to hide in shame and you don't have to allow the enemy that power over you. Those 33 years that Jesus spent walking this earth with his ultimate goal of going to the cross, that was for you. God knew that when sin entered the world that there was no way for us to get to him on our own. And so Jesus joyfully and willingly came to take on our debt, to take on our punishment, to take on our sin. And so if this is you and you recognize that this has never been something that you have come to to recognize in your life, please, please, please come talk to me, Blake, any of our leaders. We would love to have a deeper conversation with you of what this looks like. And so Why do we even come to places like the harbor? Why do we come on Sunday mornings? Why does it even matter that we refocus? Because we recognize that as people that we're prone to wander. It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when because we're sinful, broken people and we mess up daily. But the question goes back to once you recognize that you have lost focus, what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna continue to drift? Are you gonna continue down that road of of just not caring 
or are you gonna tune back into what the Lord is trying to do? This is why we gather on Sunday mornings. This is why you hear the same stories over and over again. This is why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me when we take communion. It's because he wanted us to remember because he knew what would happen if we forget. And if you don't know what happens when we forget, go read the book of Judges because it'll tell you pretty clearly. So um, we're gonna jump into our community groups, but I'm gonna pray for us before we head out. God, I thank you that you are so gracious and so merciful that even in our moments of distraction, even in our seasons where we wander off, God, and we are not tuned into what you have for us, God, you meet us right where we are to redeem us, to restore us, to refocus us. So God, I just pray that as these students go off to community groups that you would allow them to just dig a little bit deeper into conversation about your word and what it means and looks like to refocus in on you. God, our hearts are so prone to wander. And so Lord, I pray that when those moments do come, God, that you would allow us to recognize the distraction before us, God, and that you would just continue to call us back to you. Lord, we love you. And it's my prayer, amen. All right, guys, we're headed to community groups. If you don't know where you're going, come find